0: Welcome to Open Banking Expo Unplugged, bringing you the brightest minds in open banking, open finance and beyond. Hi, everyone, and welcome to the next episode of Open Banking Expo Unplugged. I'm Ellie Duncan, Head of Content here at Open Banking Expo. And joining me for this episode is Ed Maslavekas, CEO of Bud, an open banking platform that he founded back in 2015. There's plenty to discuss in this episode as we delve into Bud's history, as well as the numerous partnerships it's been forming and announcing this year. And also, we're going to get Ed's thoughts on the UK's transition to open finance post open banking implementation entity. So with all that in mind, uh, welcome to the podcast, Ed.
1: Thank you so much for having me.
0: It's great to have you on, and uh, thank you for joining me. I mean, we'll go straight into it. Um, I know it's it's really well known that you you co-founded Bud, but perhaps for any Open Banking Expo listeners who aren't too familiar with the story, can you tell us where it all started, please?
1: Sure. Yeah, absolutely. Now, happy to give you kind of the history where it came from and. The kind of zigzagging we've done over the few years, to to as as open banking has changed, as the market's changed, as as kind of our thinking's matured in the space. Yeah. I, um, so I guess we, you know, we founded the business in 2015, um, and really it was, you know, myself and my co-founder George, we you know we'd been working for a couple of years, um, and, you know, we, I think we were both in our second jobs post university. Um, So we were about 24, same age, so we were 25. I've known George since we were kids. We used to go around to his house, sneak around to his house and and play computer games and things like that when we were growing up. So we've known each other since, you know, I think about 15 or something. Yeah. Um, But so, I mean, before starting, but I was working over at Salesforce and I was a junior sales exec, kind of entry-level role. And, you know, I saw a lot of new opportunities coming through in, you know, for this fintech sector or financial services sector that we had within Salesforce and kind of piqued my interest as to, you know, in 2015, this emergent of, you know, this new wave of consumer financial technology. And I started to think about, you know, all these new products that were coming to market um, were really interesting and exciting. Um, and, and, you know, I got, I got to have a nice sort of look into some of these companies and talk to some of the, the, execs you know just through early sales calls and find out a little bit about their business I came a little bit obsessed by the fintech sector and what was happening and the kind of the, the, the sort of the, the common problem or challenge that you know any consumer product has but but particularly we I saw at the time was you know a lot of the founders and uh, exec team were really focused on customer acquisition customer engagement you know how do we acquire customers how do we get our message across? And, I was thinking about this, as you know, I usually do, and probably not actually doing as good of a job as I should at, at Salesforce, but actually really thinking about, you know, how could they, how could they really solve this? And I started to think that, you know, in, in financial services, you know, there's a there's a hell of a lot of noise. First of all, I mean, I, I think anyone that lives in a um, urban area probably walks past like 20 financial services adverts on the way to to their job in the morning. You know, particularly in London, all the tube adverts. But so, you know, for us, it was, it, we started to think about, you know, how could you cut through the noise? Um, and, and the thing that came to mind for us, and this is kind of prior to open banking was, hey, I mean, it's financial services. It, it You know, most decisions really come down to numbers, right? They're, they're, there's, there's maybe some emotional response and, you know, how good the marketing is in the branding, and, and that is a big part of it. But, you know, a core part of any financial decision is, you know, there's some numbers to weigh up. Um, and so we thought, okay, actually, if we could take could take a data-driven approach to helping customers make decisions, we might be able to find the most relevant financial products um, for those customers. And and it so happened that a lot of the fintechs at the time, you know, and today, they offer, you know, they were offering, you know, per product line, a better deal or, or a new deal or an entry-level deal that was that was enticing. And so we came up with this idea to build a, a, a consumer app. And so we started Bud as a consumer app. Um, we left our jobs set the business up in 2015, probably took about six or seven months to really figure out what we were going to build. But we we kind of sort of naive enough just to say, hey, let's go do something. And we had a, a business plan, but not much beyond that. Um, my co-founder is the technical co-founder. And we, we built this app really that we, we did our own screen scraping at the time um, before open banking. We were pulling in data. We were showing customers, about 5,000 customers on the consumer app sort of all through, you know, um uh, you know, no real budget, just scrimping scraping and making posts on social media and, and the app was a sort of financial management app. It showed customers, you know, their finances. Um we 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 pulled the, the data through through our own screen scraping technology. We then really started to build up this marketplace of services. So I think a lot of the early fintechs probably got quite annoyed by me running around and um asking if they were gonna develop APIs so we could integrate parts of their services into our app so we could make a recommendation to a product and onboard them there and then. And of course, there were some inherent challenges with that app, right? The you know, KYC still you know, has to be done by each individual. We had these ideas that maybe we could centralize that process so we could onboard customers to multiple products instantly. And we had sort of a lot of grand ideas around where to take the technology and the solution. But ultimately, as open banking started to roll around we we realized that you know if what we wanted to do was help people make better financial decisions if if we could actually do that in and and help people in their existing applications rather than having to bring people into another new app yeah then that actually might be a better business model and, and and it might actually help we might be able to reach more people you know so kind of it was it was sort of end of 2016 2017 when we kind of started to make that turn towards the B2B side, and we started to engage with a number of different banks, and that's when we started working with HSBC. Um, we had a shared vision um, with HSBC that that actually the future of financial services was this, what we call now embedded services, and that would be empowered by the, essentially data intelligence to, to help customers kind of automate really some of that decision-making process. I mean, that's still very much our vision today. We play a different role to, to what, what we played in 2015. 2015 was us is the kind of the front man. Now we see ourselves as you know the back of house, trying to build the types of technology that any one institution, you know, potentially couldn't invest the time or um, isn't really you know potentially worth their time in building, but but could really benefit their customers. So you know we can aggregate the cost of building our techn- technology stack across multiple customers, and that and that means that they can license it for cheaper than than it would cost for them to build themselves.
0: I'm interested to find out then, in that time, how how your own role has changed. You're obviously CEO of Bud now, so um, what does that mean for you? What what does your role involve now?
1: Yeah, I mean, I mean to be honest, it it obviously changes all the time. You know, sometimes you're fundraising, sometimes you're um, fighting a fire, sometimes you're part of a client pitch. Um, but I mean, I, I guess I think I can in any any organisation. Um, you know, the CEO or whoever's leading the organization, you know, it takes on many different guises and something that I've always found is, you know, it's important to place your strengths. I know what I'm not, and I know what I am. Um, and so where I tend to spend a lot of my time is there's obviously, you know, the strategy and how, you know, understanding what's out there, what other people are doing. So you can kind of learn, um, working, I work directly with the design team, um, because I think that's an important part of 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 our mission, and we've always been very kind of design centric. In in you know, comes from having a consumer background, but but actually, you know, I think a lot of you know you can build the best technology in the world, but if if you can't present it to um, your either your client and their customers and help help the client with that part of it, then it, it falls down very quickly. Um, yeah. And and again, you know, a lot of, you know, I'm, I come from a sales background, so I work very closely with um, the sales organization. You know, I do I still do a lot of business development conversations, uh, strategic partnerships. So we have two levels of strategic partnership. One is um, the 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 the, um, the kind of sort of marketplace or the embedded services side and the other side is the distributors of our technology, so other types of platforms and getting embedded into those. So I tend to work right now more on the um, the sort of strategic distribution partners as opposed to the marketplace partners. But what that means is I don't actually work on the the deals themselves. I just sort of speak to our chief commercial, and, and he works on those. So, um, yeah, I mean, it's just it just te- varies day to day, answering emails, jumping on calls, sorts of stuff so you know not too dissimilar to anyone else's day I guess it's just you have your your reports and and you work with them and then I quite like being working with you know I don't think we really work in a formalized sense in in in, but in in that you know it's not only that you work with your direct reports but you know you work you work with everyone and and kind of we come around and come together on different projects I guess it's agile methodology I'm I'm not there's no big trade secrets there.
0: Yeah well well let's pick up then on on those partnerships that you mentioned, because you've announced a number of partnerships mm-hmm. this year, um, and in May uh, there was the announcement that First Direct was adding a transaction details feature to its mobile banking app uh, with Bud. So, can you tell us how that that sort of rollout came about, and and what it's it means for the bank's customers?
1: Yeah, absolutely. So, this is you know part of the long term. Vision that that HSPC and First Direct have, and that we aligned to, I guess, all the way back in 2017. So, going a little bit back in in um, in history, we we launched HSP uh, so First Direct and us partnered to launch a a, a kind of a, a new app, and it was called Arthur. And what that app did was, I mean, it was not too dissimilar to. Um, or the app that we, we launched in, in 2015, but it was, you know, branded. It looked like First Direct and we, we brought in, I think, about 15,000 First Direct customers into that app.
0: Yeah.
1: And what that did was it gave the customer a whole host of financial insights, you know, things like, you know, the, you know spending trans, um, insights, um, you know, cash insights, you know, sort of seeing your data cat- categorized and really kind of that challenger experience. And then, the, the, for me, the most exciting thing about that was um, that that application that we launched with Arthur and uh, with it, with First Direct even was we had a marketplace of other services in there, and that this is part of the the vision that we we share um, with with First Direct, but also with some of our other partners. Um, is that you know this the the future of financial services is really about kind of actually having a, a your money um, life be stress-free and automated, you know, you don't need to be you know, pouring through hundreds of documents to make good financial decisions. That's what we believe. And so what we had in there was actually a marketplace of non HSBC services. So you could find and see, you know, le- loans, credit cards, insurance products from people that, you know, HSBC had no real affiliation with. Um, it was just this this idea that, you know, what HSBC wanted to offer was a customer this this um kind of homogenized experience across across their money and and so we tested that out and it was it was quite successful i mean of course you know we go back you know if we're thinking about open banking is the enabler for all of this the ability to you know leverage data to share it between different organizations on the customer's behalf to get that enrichment to pass data from one Um, organization to another so the customer can quickly onboard to these products or else the experience kind of falls down Um, but you know if you look back then you know the open banking was still a bit janky in its experience the flows didn't always work Um, and so it was really a test for both organizations a we did the we we tested this in a regulatory sandbox the second um, fca sandbox um, to see if you know this makes sense, if this if if this works, if the regulation can can kind of make sense of you know a, a, a bank as a distributor, and and so yeah, it was quite successful, and then that led into this roadmap of now us um, being it, our, our platform being integrated into HSBC's stack, which is then fed through into First Direct, and so now you can see in the First Direct app. Um, your data categorized, you can see, um, you know, your merchants um, and we're building up a bunch of insights that will, will begin to show more and more to the customer. And then eventually that will be leading into the, the embedded services world of bringing new services in, into the app to, to kind of help you to manage your money better and, and automate a lot of that experience
0: yeah that's a really exciting partnership then and um and I guess it was quite um a, a milestone in a way wasn't it when when Bud and, and hSBC sort of formed this partnership because there was i guess there was quite a lot of scrutiny wasn't there on whether these kind of partnerships between the new um fintechs um with all their innovation um and, and then you've got you know the incumbents with all their legacy tech whether that could work or, or not did you did you sort of feel the the kind of um a bit of pressure there or, or was it just something a partnership that you knew would work for both parties ultimately
1: yeah I mean I think like any partnership it comes down to people um and you know we, again having a shared vision having a, a good uh, sponsor that can help get things through the thing about working with large organizations is there, there's many people. There's many different competing interests in an organisation, and that's not done out of any sort of selfishness. That's just done because you know it's a huge. There, there are you know HSBC organisations like HSBC are vast, and so the important thing is again to have that shared mission, and then from there just be aligned with with your key stakeholders and, and keep the the communication open. And of course, we we act we act in different ways. Um, but there's things to learn from both sides i think you know you know in 2017 we were like 15 people we had this tiny little office in, in in brick lane um we couldn't believe him I mean, we had some of you know a whole bunch of different banks coming into that place and then meeting with us and and you know being quite frank we had mice scuttling around on the floor and and they came in and and and, and they after they walked you know many different banks came away and walked away from Meeting us in this office, which which we were like, oh goodness, we didn't really think anything of it at the time. It was just normal to us, but looking back, it seems a bit crazy. And they they thought, yeah, let's let's work with these guys. So so, you know, I think we have to give these organisations their dues. You know, they 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 can work with you know different organisation sizes, um, but I think from the fit, you know, there's often I think from fintech and, and I guess in in sort of any young company, a bit of you know you have your arrogance that like we know better, right? And I think. The, the approach we took, always took was like, we need, we've need we got stuff to learn here too. You know, we didn't know how to be an enterprise company to, to to sell to enterprise, to have all the policies in place that they needed. And sometimes it felt a bit ridiculous, some of the things that we had to do, but actually, you know, now that we are working with more and more organizations, you know, that that hard work up front has paid off because, you know, they say, do you have this policy? And do you have this accreditation? And it's tick, tick, tick. And so I think all those things are, are quite important up front. But and I think I'll just add to that is, you know, now that we're seeing, you know, that we're starting to work with not only banks, but, you know, the sort of midsize fintechs or or very large fintechs in some cases. And and so I think f- for us, it's quite an exciting time that, that we now realize that the, the technology we've been working on has wider application beyond just sort of, you know, core six or seven customers.
0: But, um, I guess uh, it was it'd be interesting to hear about another partnership actually that you announced this year, mm-hmm. which is with um Nordics based payments firm um, Infuse. Uh, we actually had mm-hmm. uh, the CEO of Infuse, Monica Lickema, on the podcast a few She's months great. ago. She, she is great, so um what can you tell us first of all a bit more about what, what that partnership is and and kind of what you hope to achieve through that?
1: Yeah, I guess I'll just talk generally about first of like you know what we're trying to do and you know yeah the reason why i guess it's good to give the history is you know our, our vision of what we think of what we're trying to build from a financial services perspective hasn't really shifted um we've accepted that we have to play a different role in it and that we've, we 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 were very excited by that role um and we think it's a very necessary role um so you know taking it all the way back you know we, we had this idea that um when we make these type of partnerships, it's really about we think that if if what we do at Bud is focus on understanding the customer through through the lens of their transactional data, then we can bring a whole bunch of relevant tools um, and services to that customer so you know similar to the to what we've done with infus is because we can understand um, our platform can understand you know the customer's transaction history the you know where they've been shopping where they've been spending what they've been doing we can then partner with someone like infuse to to add in um some carbon metrics and and to to those transactions and doing that together we can build up a a picture of you know what the carbon impact of their spending and their and really their lifestyle is because you know we we think you know that's you know both a strength of ours and a and a challenge is that that transactional data set of, of a that we hold through our main current account and other accounts and credit cards etc it's just such a deep rich data set that there is so much you can understand about your past you can understand things about your future you can you know it it gets you know quite quite big quite quickly which is also the challenge of you know security and and and, and keeping people um safe and 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 private but but actually you know to you know this is really uh, an exciting piece for us because i think you know when we thought about types of marketplace and embedded services in 2015 we weren't thinking about quite frankly carbon tracking and and that's a that has a bigger impact you know on on the world than than just uh you know is this person getting the most optimized loan the loan piece is very important don't get me wrong you know financial stress is 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 a serious issue so that's something that we think is quite important but yeah this this partnership is you know quite big for us it's it's allowing us to to give customers, you know, an insight that that you know can can impact the world, not just themselves. So that's that's quite big. Um, and what that means for our banking partners and our fintech partners is when they work with us, when we supply them with our our technology, they can then start to quickly tap into these type of experiences. They're already getting an enriched data set. They already have a contract with us. We can add in these these services, things like you know carbon tracking. Um, I'm sure we'll talk about some of the other. Uh, partnerships we have um, but you know we've done things like utility switching, rental recognition it's just around you know making this financial world make sense. Carbon tracking slightly out of the financial world and um, you know even bigger so so quite exciting for us.
0: Yeah that's an exciting element I think because um, I'm sure it's something that we'd all be quite interested actually to find out our own kind of carbon footprint um and maybe some of that data would or
1: maybe ignorance is blessed, well but, you know, true yeah actually, you know the responsible the right thing to, the right thing to do is is to yes yeah, to kind of start to understand the impact and yeah maybe do something about.
0: yeah it absolutely sure. and um as you said there there's there's another trans, um partnership sorry that uh it would be interesting to hear from you about and that's um a really recent one actually with Minna Technologies and that's around like subscription management tools. So I was wondering what's what is Bud's role in that particular partnership?
1: Yeah, again, it's just it's it's a similar role. So so where we see ourselves is where, you know, we're what we believe is, you know, we're market leading in in understanding what what exists in that transactional data. So we can pull out, you know, traits, metrics, uh, insights on the customer, we can start to help predict what 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 things might happen in the customer's future all sorts of stuff that so the customer or the or the business can can help give it give a better service so with the with mina um you know again the um a very similar role we, we're pulling out and and you know we're you know in that case we're supplying to our customers um a mixture of either Data aggregation or just data enrichment. So, you know, in some of our customers, we don't e- we don't we don't even have to supply the data aggregation, or and we can also do the the data enrichment on their own um, transactions. So we 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 actually it's kind of an important part of where where we've been building is you know we we believe that you know our role is is really to to play that that kind of insight partner to to transactional data, whether it's aggregated by us or not. You know, we understand the world. Is is busy. There's lots of aggregation players. There's lots of customers with their own their own data that needs to be enriched. Um, and then, so we can then again, similar to how we we've partnered in the past, we can then bring in to our customers the, the subscription management, and we can identify the transactional uh, key key transactional points, and then Mina can take over and then help the, to manage the um, that those kind of regular, you know, as, as we call them internally, we call them that regular regular spending, you know, re, or regulars as we call them in our our test app. Um, and then, you know, Mina can act on on the customer's behalf. So it's it's a it's a really nice partnership. And you know, for us, all the insight to make good decisions is is in there in the data. It's it's our job to pull it out, and then it's a the job of our partners to to create essentially our apps or applications. Um, on top of the, those data insights, so we we typically provide the insight and the trigger. You know, we're we're working on stuff to understand not only just data triggers, but but what things might happen in the customer's future. Then we can pass off to the partner on the customer's behalf and say, and they can they can take the they can help the customer take action, which is really exciting. It's for us, it's this step by step approach to getting to this fully automated financial world. And, and you know the the application layer is sort of step three step two is the insight step one is obviously get hold of the data clean it and you know in in that you know three step piece that's kind of how we've seen open banking mature over the last sort of three or three year three or four years really um you know day one let's get connectivity is it stable day two what's in the data who are the customers what do they want to do um and day three is is about you know, helping them take actions quickly and easily, and not m- make it um, a headache.
0: Um, I know we've focused so far quite uh, quite a bit on Bud, uh, but it will be um, helpful to broaden the conversation out a bit because I want to find out, Sure. Um, you know, we know the open banking implementation entity is nearing the end of its roadmap. And um, I guess there's quite a few questions within the industry about sort of what comes next. Um, and I was wondering what you think the next steps are to ensure that open finance doesn't become something of a, of a lost opportunity in the UK.
1: Yeah, I mean, I, I guess it concerns me. It doesn't concern me at the same time um, in that I'm a big believer in if something makes sense for the customer and it's a better experience for the customer, it will happen. Right. Whether it's privately or publicly, you know, whether it's done through regulation or not. So, if you look back in twenty fifteen, prior to open banking, most of the consumer fintechs at the time had were producing their own APIs, so they could, um, so customers could access their their products from other places, and um, so I think you know to be successful and to continue to continue at the speed and not put blockers in the way, I think you know we need we need to keep opening up industries and uh, opening up. The ability for customers to, to, to port their data across different products so the whole open finance where will it go next well you know certainly through a regulation regulatory stick it will happen faster and it will be and customers will be more protected and that's why i think we should we should continue you know being custodians of of the roadmap as a as a as an industry beyond just you know the cma9 so that's I think, quite important because i think everyone who is regulated should Plays a, plays a part in in, in in safeguarding customers, and they should, well, they should anyway, and, and that, that is, that's the responsibility. And so part of this openness and this transparency and this ability to port data is protecting customers, because the alternative is, you know, you do it in an unregulated way, which has been happening in, in the States. We've just seen, obviously, the, um, we've just seen the, you know, looks like they're gonna start putting some regulation in place, or there's certainly been a letter, right? Biden, so that that's great. Um, I mean don't get me wrong that what the technology providers in the US have done has been fantastic given the, the limitations and the challenges and, and it's and it's made um, and, it, and it's made that that whole industry of fintech you know be able to come about. It's mean that loan origination and mortgage origination, um, especially for people within credit files in the US um, has been improved over time. And so now getting the regulation is going to be great over there. Um, but but the reason why I mention it is because it you know it's kind of like, okay, if we don't have the regulation, what, what does the world look like here? I think it will continue to go on, on the same path. I think you know, openness and sharing of data and customers being able to leverage their own data, the cat's out the back. You know, it's a better experience. And it's actually become, you know, through hook or crook, a actually much more cost effective way for large organizations to operate. They're able to now automate a lot of their workflows. So if you look at like a lot of the changing in lending and using open banking or open banking um, open banking type experiences, in lots of ways the large organizations have organizations have been forced to take their platforms, go from these monolith stacks to these to a microservices architecture, split things up, produce APIs for internal use cases or external use cases. They have much more efficient stacks, and and they can start to use um, data from other 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 organisations or other other um, institutions, um, and actually leverage their own data better, which is which has been quite a, an interesting turn of events. So, yeah, I, I certainly don't see um, you know open finance go not you know going away. You know, we can see it across the world. It it it's becoming the de facto way that the financial services exists, which. Um, opens up a bigger question of like okay if if not just in the UK and Europe but globally the financial ecosystem is one where data portability is a is at the heart then you know does the way our financial ecosystem work today make sense and i think that's a that's a kind of bigger question that that we're trying to understand as well um, maybe it's, sometimes it's too big for a for a a, a chat in one day but it, you know does the way we apply for mortgages or does it the way that we move money from one another make sense? And I think those questions are being asked all over the place. So yeah, I think the trend is going one way, and we we as an as a as an organisation as well as an industry need to sort of safeguard that. Um, otherwise, we'll we'll default back to a position that is is less good for customers.
0: Yeah. Okay. Um, we're kind of running out of time, but I did just have one final question for you, which was. Um, I guess to find out what the biggest lesson you've learned uh, has been from from starting your own fintech all those years ago.
1: That's a good question. I think you know one of the important things that I've learned over the time is because we, we've done we've done lots of different things and we, we've 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 tried we tried out a lot of different things. Um, you know, I think it's important to 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 trust um and and listen to the people around you, but it's also quite important to when you have a kind of a vision and an idea to, to stick to your guns a lot of the time. So something that we did a while ago was, you know, we kind of we we thought that open banking would exist in these three waves. We started out really in 2015 with with the third wave, right? And we learned that we were very early and that didn't make sense. The technology wasn't there, the infrastructure wasn't there. But I think along the way, you know, we we've we've all you know, and certainly me, I've felt the pressure to to kind of give up on that, that vision lots of times. Um and now that we're kind of moving into this sort of second wave of open finance, you know, not just in the UK but around the world, you know, we can see that actually what you know some of the ideas that we had back then, um, although not fully formed, were were pretty much spot on and and actually. While we've gotten to a very good place, I think you know if we'd been so if we'd been confident in our position from from sort of day two, then then we may have got to where we are today a bit faster. But you know, obviously that's hindsight. Um, but I think that's that's the biggest learning is you know listen to people around you, but but don't take everyone's advice as 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 as, as perfect advice. You know, sometimes you know that kind of crazy idea is is does actually make a lot of sense.
0: Yeah, I I think that's a really good bit of advice. So thank you, Ed, for joining us on the podcast today.
1: Absolute pleasure. Thank you so much for
0: having me. A huge thanks to Ed for joining me today. And thank you all for listening. Please do visit the on-demand section of openbankingexpo.com, where you'll see plenty of other podcast episodes, including the one I mentioned during this episode, where I spoke to the CEO of Enfuse, Monica Lickimer. Until then, join us for next time. Goodbye for now.